I'm Michael Flake, one of the pastors here. Merry Christmas. Great to be together as a church family here on Christmas Eve. Before I begin the, <clears throat> excuse me, before I begin the message, uh, I want to invite the greeters to come forward and let us worship God, giving our tithes, our offerings, and our prayer requests this Christmas Eve. So I'll let the greeters go ahead and get that party started. Thank you very much. Uh, if for any reason, and, I, and if you've been here, you probably know this, but if for any reason the little offering bag ever misses you or you're not ready for it when it comes or whatever, we also have a box on the info table on your way out the door. There's just a box. You can put your prayer request or your offering in there. It all gets to the same place. That would be just fine. But it is lovely to be together on Christmas Eve together as Bob shared. If folks don't know Bob, Bob is who... Uh, teaches uh, many weeks down in our kids' area. Uh, Bob just sort of shared his own growing up. Uh, this is just a season of wonder. And I don't know about you, and if you grew up in a family that talked about Jesus or that, that taught you uh, anything about Jesus, it, but no matter what, there's sort of this sense of wonder about this time of year. And so we want to dial into that a little bit, and, and we want to look at the scripture that Linus read uh, for us earlier, so we, we will do just that. Before we do that, I just say to you that Lake Forest Davidson is a place where whether you're cautious about Jesus, curious about Jesus, or committed to Jesus, there is room for you here. This is a safe place for you to learn to grow and to change. So long as you don't have it all together, you'll fit right in. As we look to the center of these circles, we ask ourselves, what is it that's at the center of my life? What is the person, the goal, the thing, the idea that everything in my life is revolving around? Because Jesus says he wants to be in the center of our lives, and if we invite him there, that we'll experience real life, both abundant life on earth and everlasting life after earth. Okay, my last bit of housekeeping before uh, I fire off, and, and this is to keep the... Uh, Tara, if you don't know Tara, this is to keep Tara happy with me. If you're a regular 11 o'clocker when this service is over, it is ingrained in your head. You're going to pack up your chair. We have a 5 o'clock service tonight. So if you pack up the chair, we stay late and re-put out the chair. And we don't get to Christmas lunch at Taco Bell on time, okay? So help a, help a brother or sister out and... Just leave your chair when the service is done. The 5 o'clock people will thank you, as will the people who get to family lunch at Taco Bell on time. Very good. Y'all are laughing like I don't do that. I'll see who, who I see at Taco Bell around 1230 today. So a few years ago, by which I mean 400 A.D., a few years ago, there was a Christian named Augustine. He was a renowned African theologian. And he wrote at length about what he called the disordered loves. And what he meant by this is, it's rarely true that we love the wrong things, although sometimes we do. But the bigger issue in our lives, many of our problems stem from the fact that we love the right things in the wrong order. We love the right things to the wrong degree. So we love to, for instance, relax and have a good time, but if that's not kept in the proper place in our lives, that can become an addiction that could ruin us. 
we enjoy the work that we do, but we can also allow work to consume our calendar and our emotional energy. We enjoy things that money can buy, but what happens to our life when acquiring more money at all costs becomes the goal? We love our family or our spouse, but when our life centers on them, we can put expectations on them that become unreasonable. Now, of course, Christmas is one of those times of the year when everything we love comes all together. And sometimes it stays all together a little too long, and that's when Uncle Bob and Uncle Fred get in a fight and you have to send everybody home. But we have family, we have friends, we give gifts, we receive gifts with the money that we got from work. So many of the good things come together at this time of year, and for us to continue to experience them as good over the long haul, we need to love them to the right degree. And so that gets us to the passage that Linus read for us earlier, that Amy will read for us to conclude our uh, service, Luke chapter 2, verses 1 to 14. This passage begins to unravel some of this mystery of the disordered loves. It's not going to get us all the way there, but, but it's a first step. It, it can make sure that we leave this room knowing the cure has begun, even if it will take time. So in this passage, Mary and Joseph travel to Bethlehem to be part of a government census. While they are there for the census, Mary has, gives birth to a son, a child named... Jesus, very good, always a safe guess at church. An angel had visited her months before to tell her about this child, that he would be the rescuer, that he would be the savior sent from God, that he would gather together God's eternal family and lead us home. This came as quite a surprise to Mary because she and Joseph were uh, not married and they were not acting like they were married. Wink, wink. Months later... Jesus' newborn cries echoed out into a dark night. The true light that gives light to every person had come into the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. All we had to receive him with were some old rags and a manger. And so Mary wrapped Jesus in these humble rags and laid him to sleep in a feed trough. And just beyond the echoes of Jesus' cry, there were shepherds, ordinary people, often looked down on. Verse 9 says, an angel of the Lord appeared to them, the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. So the angel tells the shepherds, there's the Savior, the Messiah, the Lord, and he's within walking distance of where you are right now. So in other words, get out and go find him. And this will be the sign. This is how you'll know you're stumbling upon the Savior, the Messiah, the Lord. You will find a baby whose parents can scarcely meet his needs. You see what happened on this first Christmas? That the great and the lowly got tied together. 
that the God of the universe became a baby and then allowed shepherds to become his heralds. And then a great company of angels appears praising God with this little song, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. Now let's parse these lyrics out here for a minute. And you know when a pastor says for a minute, that doesn't mean 60 seconds, right? Okay, good. So they begin by saying glory to God in the highest heaven. Now if you were to translate that into Latin, what would it be? It'd be gloria in excelsis Deo, what you just sang. You say, well, did the angels sing in Latin? No, probably not. But, but a lot of the early Christians spoke Latin, so that's what it got remembered as. The angels did sing Latin. They were smarter than I did. I could never get the handle on Latin in school. So we start with gloria to God in the highest heaven. So what's the big word in there? The word is glory. Glory. Say glory. Very good. Glory. What, what does glory mean? It's a word we use a lot, or you might hear a lot, but what does glory actually mean? You could look up a definition on your phone. You'd have to quit texting other people for a minute, but you could do that if you wanted. When I looked up the definition, it had synonyms like honor, renown, majesty, greatness. So what the angels sing is when you look throughout all creation, God is what's truly great. God is the one that truly deserves honor and renown. That God is in the highest heaven. God is in the most absolutely amazing place possible. And even in that most absolutely amazing place possible, God is the most amazing thing there. In fact, God is so amazing, it's not even worth comparing everything else in that most absolutely amazing place ever combined to God. Glory to God in the highest heaven. Now this is a subtle hint to us that glory is on a one-way street and that street leads to God. So if the goal of our life is to receive glory, if the goal of our life is to be honored, to be seen as great, we have an impending problem. And that impending problem is glory is on a one-way street and that street leads to God. It doesn't lead to me. It doesn't lead to you. This is a wave that you and I cannot fight. And so we need to live lives that are about more than how much we can be honored. Live lives that are about more of than how well we can be thought of. But then what would that be? Well, the song continues. And it says, on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. Now this is a, in contrast to the first line. It's actually a, I, I looked at this word, parallelism. Glory parallels with peace. To God is then contrasted with to those on whom his favor rests. And in the highest heaven is contrasted to on earth. So glory to God in the highest heavens and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. So if glory goes to God, what can come to us? Peace. 
According to the angels, it's peace. And primarily, this is a peace with God. A peace with God that can sink deep into our lives and then start to spill over into our other relationships and into other areas of our lives. But we see in this song that peace itself is a gift from God because who on earth can have peace? Those on whom God's favor rests. So you and I can have peace and that peace comes from God, from God. It comes from God. Glory goes to God. Peace comes from God to us. And we have all these wonderful things in our life, but they will be a kind of scattered and wild mess until we have a frame that holds them all together. And according to the angels, that frame is God. That God is not an add-on to a wonderful life. God is the one who reorients our lives and makes them wonderful. I'll say it again. God is not an add-on to a wonderful life. God is the one who reorients our lives and makes them wonderful. In other words, the first step in sorting out disordered loves is to acknowledge God as the primary love in my life. In all existence, there is only one truly great, truly deserving glory, and that is God. God is primary. God is the supplier of what you and I need. And so you and I are invited to love God and to love God to a magnitude that we don't love anybody else or anything else. To love God to a magnitude that no one or nothing else even deserves. Not family, not friends, not spouse, not BFF, not work, not justice, not recreation, not money. God. And then God starts to reorient our lives. God helps us come to love the other people and things in our lives to a right order, to a right degree. God's love for me and my growing love of God then becomes the lens through which I can start to make sense of life. What does it mean to love my wife? What does it mean to love my daughter? What does it mean to love my employer and my employees? What does it mean to love my parents, to love my friends, my neighbors, my enemies, those who live in poverty? What does it mean to love? Because when I try to love those things and those people just sort of on my own, I find I love them too little or not at all. Or, and this is an equally dangerous way to go, I expect unreasonable things from them. I expect them to give me a level of satisfaction that they cannot give me because I am looking to them to be God. I am expecting them to give me what only God can give. Peace in life does not come from a perfect marriage. Peace in life does not come from having a kid you can brag about. Peace in life does not come from having a specific salary. The angels say peace in life comes from God. And that's how you begin to sort out the disordered love thing. You start there. That I love God to a degree that I don't love anyone else. Why? Because God loves me more deeply than I could ever 
imagine. Love for God is so important. And that gets us to the last little problem, and that's that there's a gulf. A gulf between heaven and earth, a gulf between God and humanity, a gulf between you and God. And if we're not careful, we will try to convince ourselves that relating to God is like climbing a rope covered in grease. And the harder you try to get closer to God, the further away you fall. I have very good news for you this Christmas. God does not want to have a greasy rope relationship with you. You can write that down. You could tweet it right now. You get unfollowed by people. But God does not want to have a greasy rope relationship with you. This is the point of Christmas. God is not asking us to climb up to him through Jesus Christ, fully God and fully human. God came to us. This is the point of Christmas, that as much as you or I seek out to find God, God has already sought out to find us. That as much as you or I seek God, God is already seeking us. That as much as you and I are looking for God, God came looking for us. The God of the universe wrapped himself in humanity. He wrapped himself in human flesh. There is a gulf between us and God, and God bridged it. God did the work. God came into the world like we all do. And all we had to receive him with were humble rags and a manger. The God who receives all glory became a baby in a manger. The Savior, the Messiah, was worshipped by shepherds. Heaven and earth collided on that first Christmas. Heaven and earth collided in Jesus. Heaven and earth continue to collide in Jesus. You can be reconciled to God. You can be God's son or daughter. You can have peace with God. And it can happen in Jesus' name. So this Christmas is a little different for me because this is the first Christmas uh, since I've had a kid. So in 2017, early 2017, our first child was born. And so it puts a little extra layer on this whole Christmas thing once you've sort of been part of the whole, like, uh, you know, giving birth thing. Not a significant part, but... And this is what struck me about it. A lot of what's so, uh, uh, what it is, is that childbirth, there's this deep sense of irreversibility. Like most of the decisions we make in life are reversible. Even the big decisions are reversible. You go to a college and you don't like it, you can transfer. You get a job that's as much fun as getting stabbed in the eye with a stick. You look for a new job, at least with the eye that doesn't have the stick in it. But when, when a child is born, there's this deep, weighty sense that the world is different and will never be the same again. It's irreversible. And at the birth of Jesus, everything changed. It's a moment 
But in the moment, everything changed. That's what happened at the first Christmas. And it wasn't just Mary and Joseph who felt this deep sense, weighty sense of irreversibility. All creation did. In a moment, everything changed. The God of all creation, wrapped up in human flesh, cried and was swaddled and was laid to sleep in a manger. The world is different now. The world will never be the same. Everything has changed, and it has changed for the better. God humbled himself so that you and I can be lifted up as we come to the manger and see Jesus. We may, for the first time or for the first time in a long time, realize how sacrificially God loves us. You and I need only embrace the God who already came to find us. So with that, let me wrap up and ask you to reflect on this question. What difference could it make or has it made in your life to center your life on a loving relationship with God? What difference could it make What difference has it made to center your life on a loving relationship with God? Because the angels make clear God's what's most important. And yet God has come to us to offer peace. Through Jesus Christ, the world is forever different. Through Jesus Christ, your life, my life, can be forever different. It takes time, but what we're talking about today is that the cure can begin. The cure can begin. As you and I come to the manger, as those shepherds did many, many years ago, maybe not even realizing what a wondrous thing we've stumbled upon, to then realize, wait a minute, I didn't just stumble upon this thing. God's come looking for me. Let's pray together. In the hurry and busyness of the Christmas Eve day, let me give you a chance to sit in quiet and talk to God. to talk to God about whatever it is He's stirring in your heart or in your mind. As maybe for the first time or the first time in a long time, you kneel beside that manger there in awe of the wonder Just talk to God.
Lord, in this moment, some of us need to confess, some of us need to turn away from the parts of us, or maybe it's our life that, that has been about seeking our own glory, making sure that we are well thought of, held in high regard by everyone around us, so that we can live a life that's about more than that, so that we can live a life that joins in on that one-way street of giving glory to you. Lord, as the angels sang, we desire peace. We want peace in our relationships. We want peace in our world. We want peace in our homes. We want peace. But we have to see what they said, which is that that begins with peace with God. So, Lord, if any of us here today don't have peace with you, if we don't know that a truce has been called and now we're on the same team because of you, we can be on the same team. I pray we might open up our lives, open up our minds, open up our hearts, and invite Jesus to come in to come into our lives, to come into the center of our lives. Lord, for those of us who this is the first time in a long time we've even talked to you, I pray you would impress upon us that this is not about climbing up a greased rope, that you are ready to pick up right where we left off, because you are good, you are loving, you came to find us, and you did it in Jesus' name, amen.